Hey everyone, welcome to the first uh, podcast. We don't have a name for it. Um, uh, uh, untitled podcast episode one. Yeah, uh, I am Mint. And uh, I'm Luca. Uh, yeah. Oh, did I just interrupt? I'm sorry. No, no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so for the first episode, um, we wanted to talk about two movies that uh i've seen recently uh lucas seen um a while ago but he has we have very differing opinions on uh one we don't one we very much do Mm -hmm. um so i think we should do the less boring the the more boring one first and then we'll get into the spicy one afterwards all right so um do you want to introduce this movie um is it sorry to bother you? Is that is that what we're gonna do? No, 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 we'll do uh, nocturnal animals first, because <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, so um, let me just uh, pull up the synopsis because I don't have it on hand in my memory. But um, so the premise is that Susan Morrow, played by Amy Adams, uh, receives a um, rough draft of a novel from her ex-husband, played by um, Jake Gyllenhaal, um, a man who uh, she left twenty years earlier, asking for an opinion of his writing. And um, as she reads the book, she gets more and more invested into the story, and she's drawn to the life of the fictional character, Tony Hastings, who's also played by Jake Gyllenhaal. So he's, um, he's a character in the book, and he's also a character in the, in, you know, the real-world movie. And, um, you know, it's, it's a lot about that tension between the split couple and how that evolved. So... First of all, I mean, I just want to preface with this with um, this is I feel like this is a movie that was made for me specifically because I love Amy Adams so much. Um, she's one of my favorite actresses. Arrival is an amazing film. It's one of my favorites ever. And um, I mean, I can I, I feel like a broken record talking about Jake Gyllenhaal. He's my favorite actor ever. Um, every movie I see him in, is, I mean, either you know, he, he carries it with his performance or just the movie is just fantastic. You know, things like Zodiac or Enemy, to, if you know, for example. Mm-hmm. And I thought Nocturnal Animals was just a slam dunk for both for both actors. Amy Adams delivers an amazing performance. I mean, it's probably one of my favorites of hers, excluding Arrival, because that movie is amazing. But um, also, this is uh, an amazing performance by Jake Gyllenhaal. I think this is actually his most visceral performance next to, you know, something like Nightcrawler or uh, the new uh, the new movie, The Guilty. Mm. Um, it's definitely a very emotional performance. And I loved every minute of what he was saying. And the movie is also really strengthened by an amazing supporting performance from Michael Shannon. So, yeah, um, I actually wanted to build off that because... Yeah, Michael Shannon was, besides Jake Gyllenhaal, Michael Shannon was my favorite part of the movie. Um, absolutely. Yeah. He deserved the uh, Academy nomination. Um, I agree. I think all I, three of them deserve nominations at least, but I'm glad that Shannon got his. Yeah, definitely. I think he was the most standout because the other movies mm-hmm. I've seen him in, I saw Knives Out, which I thought he was good in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know he's General Zod, which I have not seen, uh, Man of Steel, but... See, like he's kind of he's one of those guys that you know I'm not really sure about, but he he absolutely sold me. Like after watching this, he was just so good. I wholeheartedly agree. I thought his yeah. performance was absolutely heart wrenching, mm-hmm. and I mean the, his chemistry with Jill and Hall was superb. 
and a lot of the writing and for his character was just amazingly done um i thought his um you know i thought he was a really good foil to joan hall's character within the novel mm-hmm. so uh, I, again, uh, I, I thought that they all slam, slam dunked it, but the biggest unexpected surprise was probably Michael Shannon because what I know him from is a more tame role in Knives Out, where he's just kind of, you know, a, a, a you know handicapped old man who's you know kind of a pussy, and mm. Man of Steel, where you know he's kind of like a wooden character because you know I, I don't Rick think Block. Zack Snyder, yeah, I don't I don't think Zack Snyder did that good of a job with Man of Steel in general. We'll, but we'll talk about that another day. Yeah, but um, General Zod was, I guess, a standout. But mm-hmm. you know, I, I thought that this this movie in particular was definitely Michael Shannon's biggest um, impact, like emotional impact, and it really showcased a lot of his range, which I really appreciated from him. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought that. I mean, um, I thought Michael Shannon just did a great job. He his character was super convincing, which was my favorite part about it was that his character didn't feel his motivations were completely clear. Uh, I think mm-hmm. initially kind of starts off being like, you know, I don't really know about all this, you know, be, maybe being a little like, skeptical to Jake Gyllenhaal. But you see their like bond grow as the film goes on. Right. And I think that's my favorite part, you know, and I definitely love Amy Adams, too. Uh, I mm-hmm. thought she did a great job. Um, I, I thought she was... I'm surprised that her name is she's on the poster and because I really find this to be Jake Gyllenhaal's movie. I mean, he I he, he really is the star of it. You know, I find that um I love the usually I'm not the biggest fan of flashbacks. Um it depends like they if they're done well, but I thought this mm-hmm. movie it gave you all the context and they never dragged on. Not um, at all. Yeah, and uh, what I wanted to get from you was um what did you think of the uh, the opening? Um, because, you know, I don't really... I know it was supposed to be the art... Uh, spoilers. I mean, not yeah. really spoilers, but kind of, like, for anyone who hasn't seen it. Um, but, like, what did you think about that? I was curious. I thought the opening was... I mean, it was a little art house and I, I get I get tired of using this word because it's such a commonly thrown around word by film bros and people who are like really engrossed in film but it's a very yeah. Lynchian I hate using that word because mm-hmm. every, everybody uses that term for something that they can see as somewhat absurdist but I mm-hmm. thought that you know that like absurdism was a very good introduction to like the modern art world and like how Amy Adams character kind of felt trapped in this world where I don't think she really belonged mm-hmm yeah, I definitely agree. I, I, you know, again, it could just be I didn't get it. Uh, I thought it was like, um, yeah, I thought it was like more like a representation of like beauty, um, mm-hmm. and maybe like how some things, you know, some things maybe aren't beautiful to others, but are to some. Uh, that's mm-hmm. just my interpretation of it. But I thought that that also could apply to, you know, um like the the story itself is like it's really well written like like i was saying jake gyllenhaal's story in the movie um because his story is super emotional it's really hard to read because it's it's just such a tragedy but it's also very beautiful in the way that there is redemption in there and that was the best part of I, i mean Oh my god, there's just so much like all the acting is great. And I was gonna say also, uh Aaron Taylor Johnson, super oh, underrated yes. in this movie. Super underrated. 
I think that Aaron Taylor Johnson is just an actor who I, I, I think he just deserves more work because I don't see him in much other than supporting roles. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, everybody can kind of identify his one role from Avengers Age of Ultron where he was Quicksilver and then he got wasted within like, you know, two hours of the movie. Mm. And um, I thought Aaron Taylor Johnson's character in Tenet was actually very strong despite the weak plot line. And um, I mean, I, I thought... Um, all the supporting cast was great, but I mean, Aaron Taylor Johnson was a very big surprise to me because the only thing I've seen from him is Avengers Age of Ultron. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he didn't really have, you know, get to show his acting chops that well as he, as well as he did in Nocturnal Animals. And I think that, um, you know, all of the main four performances, that being Gyllenhaal, Adams, um, Shannon, and Johnson were extremely strong and you know, it's a very acting reliant movie and it's a very emotional movie. And I think that all of the actors captured a very specific emotion and Aaron Taylor Johnson as the main antagonist was a very, very, I wouldn't say intimidating, but a very easy to hate villain. Yeah. I I mean, I actually, I think he is really easy to hate. Um, and I think he just sells him because he's just so evil. Mm-hmm. And it starts off as, it's you know, it's not so bad. But it's kind of that he has that intensity about him. Um, yeah. Just with his like body language and um, the way he sells it, you know, I think is like perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just, I mean, I was blown away. And I, I love him from, you know, a lot of, like I saw Kick-Ass, which I thought he's really good in. Um, but I would say easily this is his best role. Um, I think so too. I've been meaning to see Kick-Ass. Very good. Very, very, very good. But he, you know, he has like a lot of energy, a lot of charisma. Uh, I hope to see him in some more stuff. But I was curious if you had any complaints with the movie. Like, was there anything that you just were not a fan of? Uh, anything you thought maybe dragged on a little bit? Um, yeah. Um, I feel like, 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 like it's, such, it's such a small nitpick, but I think um, Isla Fisher's character in the movie was kind of, like not ironically placed, but you know, kind of weird. Uh, so in in um in the movie, uh, so like you know, for people who don't know, so there's two plot lines. There's what's going on in the real world and what's going on in um Jake Gyllenhaal's book. So in the book, um, Isla Fisher plays a character who's almost identical to Amy Adams, which is a little strange. Yeah, I mean, I love like, that. I mean, it's it's a cool slam dunk, but it's it's <laughs> a little off putting because like you know there there's like the three actresses that look you know exactly the same. That's Isla Fisher, Amy Adams, and Jessica Chastain. Oh, and you know Bryce Dallas Howard. You know mm. all four of them look exactly the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, maybe Tom Ford could have casted somebody different, but I think all in all, in the end, I think Isla Fisher's casting actually ended up being um like just a really huge slam dunk to contribute to the ending of the film which is an extremely um hard-hitting um ending and that's kind of what uh i mean other than the acting itself that the ending was what was really the biggest gut punch of the whole movie yeah i i definitely agree i mean I wasn't expecting it, you know, like, obviously, you go through this whole just emotional journey, and you're already kind of wiped out from just mm-hmm. the, story, the story itself. Um, you kind of can't believe what you're watching, but it's just so satisfying. And you're like, oh, but then like, the ending just adds that extra like, 
oh you didn't you know you didn't have to do that so yeah it's really great and and i think amy adams without her i think that ending might not have worked as well because she again like i think a lot of this is just selling performances a lot of care mm-hmm. like people like actors just acting at each other and just being amazing Mm-hmm. And I just felt that at the end, you know, I love her just facial expression. It doesn't even need a word. Like the music is perfect with it. Uh, I, I think a great ending. I think a perfect ending. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think it's interesting you said um, that you you were a little kind of put off uh, by uh, Isla Fisher because I thought that her character is supposed to be like uh, what he wants like what he wanted with Amy Adams. That's why they look mm-hmm. so similar. That's what I viewed it as. That's why they're both they both look exactly the same. I know uh, very, very similar. Yeah. Um but outside of that, um what did you what did you give it out of um, five? I've, um well I've only seen it once and um I've just been giving myself a rule that I shouldn't give ten out of tens on my first watches because <laughs> I need, I need to know also like I, I have so many 10 out of 10s yeah I, I also like need like it has to be proven to me beyond the shadow of a doubt that it is it is just perfectly flawless and I I think that nocturnal animals might hold up I mean I think that I mean I have a bias towards Jake Gyllenhaal in general but um I think Amy Adams performance is really like I mean like unexpected and that also got me into more of, you know, delving into Amy Adams' work, where, you know, I, I really, like, I mean, her performance in Arrival was just a knockout. I, I'm completely shocked that they didn't give her Best Actress for that. But then even, like, smaller stuff, like, I really liked her in the uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's The Master, and she played off of Joaquin yeah. Phoenix and Philip Seymour Hoffman very well. And I thought that, um, like, her Lady Macbeth type of character in Vice was actually extremely funny. She's got a lot of good roles. I mean, she really does. Uh, mm-hmm. Really talented. And I mean, I definitely see what you mean. I mean, this is, I recently just watched it, first time watch. Um, I would give it probably a 9 out of 10 right now. Definitely could mm-hmm. go up to a 10. I love pretty much everything about it. Um, I definitely agree. And um, yeah, well, I think we should cherish that because now we're going to move on to, and I'll introduce this one. Go for it. Um. All right. Sorry to bother you. Uh, a 2018 movie directed by Boots Riley uh, follows um, Cassius Green. Uh, he works in telemarketing, and there's this thing called being like a power caller, which basically is kind of like the upper echelon of the telemarketing world. And it is, uh, he just. Uh, I don't even know. Like I don't even know what this is. <laughs> it's incredibly absurd. Yeah. And yeah. I think what works so well with Sorry to Bother You, the thing that resonated with me is how ambitious it was and how Boots Riley just kind of just threw things at the wall and I and I thought they stuck. Because there's a lot, I mean, it's extremely artsy and there's a lot of metaphors and um, themes to unpack. But I think that the, the, like the main theme from that movie that I took away is the... The, the restraint that capitalism has on the workforce and yeah. um the way that it's you know exploiting you know especially um capitalism's um exploitation of young black men um kind of just turning turning them into workhorses which is you know 
pretty metaphorically elaborated on and sorry to bother you if you've, yeah. if you've seen the film or if you, you know want to yeah yeah spoiler um, discussion yeah you know I don't, I don't want to spoil anything but um there is a very heavy exploitation of specifically black men sorry to bother you and how the capitalism can change that and how it can affect it and also it um talks about it delves into um the internal greed of capitalism and like the ideal of clambering over each other trying to be number one because um in boots riley's universe of um sorry to bother you and you know you know alternate oakland um you know like it's it's a free-for-all and that's kind of what capitalism is it's a free-for-all of people trying to you know climb the mountain and throwing each other off the mountain and i thought that um a lot of the metaphors in sorry to bother you were incredibly ambitious and like as i said earlier boots riley just you know it, it you know he tries doing the spaghetti method where he just throws it against the wall and see if it sees if it sticks and i think that it stuck most of the time um, I thought that Tessa Thompson's character was a, a really great foil to uh, Lakeith Stanfield's character, mm, and I, I gotta, I have to give some uh, highlight to Lakeith Stanfield because he is one of my favorite working actors at the moment, and I am extremely excited to see what he does next. He's an actor to watch in the next, you know, I mean maybe even two years, but I mean, you know films like Judas and the Black Messiah, Uncut Gems, and now Sorry to Bother You, he is really, you know, he's established such an amazing name for himself. Yeah. And I mean, even, even in, um, you know, he, he served a minor role in Get Out, but his role in Get Out was so substantial. And I thought that was, you know, you know, ever since seeing Get Out, I, I've been trying to not monitor, but I've been watching his career very closely to see what he does next. And um, his next movie coming out, The Harder They Fall, with an extremely stat cast of, um, I believe it's uh, Regina King, Idris Elba, Lakeith Stanfield, and a lot more, um, and uh, Zazie Beetz. I think that it's going to go off really well, because, I mean, I don't know the director all that well. James Samuel is a new name to me. Um, I think this is actually his debut film, but... Yeah, Lakeith Stanfield is definitely an actor to watch for the next five years or so, and I think "Sorry to Bother You" is an incredible entry for him as a lead actor, and I think that the supporting performances are pretty good. I think that um, I, I don't want to spoil much, you know, just because th there are some uh, names that you may not recognize because it's you know some of it is a voice cast. But um, I think that Stephen Yun's character is an incredible addition. I think Stephen Yun is also a name that um, people should be watching out for in the coming years after films like Minari and Burning and Now Sorry to Bother You. I think that he's going to have a very good career um, coming up from it. And um, actually, an unexpected surprise in the movie is Army Hammer, who was actually an incredible um, casting because he's such a douchebag. <laughs> Um, no, he really is, yeah. And, I mean, again, I think Tessa Thompson's character is probably, like, the whole heart of it, and it's, you know, like, like Heath Stanfield represents, like, the desire for something more in a post-capitalistic society, and Tessa Thompson's character more represents trying to adjust to a society that, you know, isn't purely capitalistic. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, so, okay. I'm gonna spoil the movie, uh, because I can't really not 
talk yeah. about my complaints about the movie without mm-hmm. spoiling it. Um, I, I first off, I agree with you with Lakeith Stanfield. He's great. Um, he really plays kind of like the straight man really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the setting. I thought the setting was really cool. Um, when I first heard it was like an alternate present, like like a version of Oakland. I, I was thinking it was going to be more like futuristic kind of mm-hmm. but i like the fact it's still very grounded so you don't feel like it, it's like hard to like imprint yourself on it um it really feels it feels like real life you know obviously mm-hmm. with a lot of uh you know satire and commentary on the t- tv i love the bit of uh get the shit kicked out of you on the tv yeah. i thought that was <laughs> one of my favorites um it reminded me of like tosh point oh and uh you know like, <laughs> definitely like that yeah no I thought that was really good. Um, yeah, the film's got a ton of style. It reminded me of uh, like Edgar Wright movies, how they use a lot of like filmmaking techniques, um, a lot of camera tricks, a lot of interesting things. I love when Lakeith Stanfield's character is uh, like Cash gets, he gets basically transported to the people he's calling, like with his desk. Yeah, uh, I thought that was an amazing, not camera trick, but I thought that was an amazingly done um, uh, filmmaking style because yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it makes it a bit more funny, you know, especially, you know, like the part where um, he calls this one, this one woman while she's having sex and he's like, it, it's like she's in, he's in the room with them while it's happening and it's an yeah. incredibly absurd and funny sequence. Yeah. And I think that majority of these were done really well um, for comedic sakes. I don't mm-hmm. think all of them landed. Um, I felt like sometimes this movie tried really hard to be funny. And I think sometimes it was really funny. Like, it was really hilarious. It worked. Um, all the acting, like, really contributed to that. But mm-hmm. sometimes when a joke missed, it, like, really missed. And I thought it was just... It it kind of came a little like grating by the end because they were just consistently telling jokes. Yeah, um, I can understand and, that. And I felt like because again the the subject matter is so serious. Um, and yeah. I felt like the film couldn't like pick a lane. Like I felt like it was it was like it wanted to be this biting satire, but it also wanted to be this big comedy, um, kind of absurdist. But it felt like it mm-hmm. it tried it tried to like do both. And sometimes I feel like it didn't really work because like you'll have Tessa Thompson, Lakeith Stanfield fighting with each other, and then it's like okay, then we're gonna have a haha funny comedic scene, and it's like all right, it kind of worked, but it was kind of not, you know. Yeah, I guess I get what you mean. Yeah, and I also think um, I thought the comedy was a little again like a little off. Um, mm-hmm. Again, I think the acting again is all good. Tessa Thompson it might be my favorite role from her. I haven't seen that much with her, but I definitely think so. I mean, again, I, I haven't seen that much from her other than like Thor. Yeah, so, so yeah, that's I what mean, I was thinking too. She's she served like a pretty minor role in Alex Garland's Annihilation, mm-hmm. but I think, but like, I, I haven't seen her in that much leading stuff. I mean, she was just kind of like a side character in you know the the Marvel Cinematic Universe and Annihilation. But I think that um, sorry to bother you actually you know lets her test her acting chops a little bit more. And I thought that she was an amazingly done character, and I really like um like her like her style. Like all of the clothing and outfits in the movie are really good. Yeah, definitely. Thought, Costu- yeah, that work is yeah. amazing. 
the costume design was fantastic. I love the color palette also of purples and yellows. Of course, hell yeah. Um, and I, I just loved how kind of it was it was goofy, but it it, it felt grounded. Yeah, like, of course. there was a lot of stuff that you know was like you know wait what the fuck is this you know I I'm not I, I don't want to spoil a lot but you know there was there was definitely some stuff that you know pops pops up and you're just like what the hell just happened well i'm gonna be talking about it right now because mm-hmm. okay if i had to pick my my two the two overarching things because again the the humor was one that i would say is kind of a smaller one because mm-hmm. the majority of it landed for me so i'm not I, I that wasn't like a man this it's not one of those that fails and you're just like oh this is excruciating yeah. you know um I felt that the message of the movie um, is a little too basic for me. I felt like it was really simple Mm -hmm. and I just felt like it wasn't saying something new. Um, And I I get like, obviously it's hard to say something new and for being uh, Boots Riley's first, um, his first movie, like his first directorial debut. I mean, he did great, obviously like this is leagues better than majority of uh, first film mm-hmm. um however i just felt it was like yeah capitalism is bad and you know uh oh, like climbing the 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 ladder the workforce ladder, and it, it's kind of like yeah yeah like i get what you're saying you know it is very like obviously it's very important and um i don't fault the movie for talking about it but i felt like it reminded me of uh, just to give kind of an example, Velvet Buzzsaw. How the whole movie is like, like guys, art's stupid. Like you know, these people are yeah. all pretentious. And it was kind of like, yeah, we already know. You know, you're not saying anything that's like, that's like, oh, making me think. Really, kind of putting mm-hmm. putting a message out there that, um, yeah, it just felt like it was putting kind of the same message out there. And I just think there's been so many other movies that have just done that same exact thing better. Yeah. So like you, like you think that like it doesn't bring much new to the table? Well, again, I think stylistically, if you're going to watch this film stylistically and I gave this film a lower rating and I give those stars based on the performances and the style mm-hmm. of the movie. Um, if it didn't have that, I probably would like it even less. Um, but the, <laughs> the style kind of kept it together for me because it was consistently mm-hmm. interesting. Like when you're watching it, you're like, Jesus, like what planet am I on? It, it's really, yeah. it's kind of like, yeah, it, it's pretty like fucked up when you're watching and you're and it's, that was really enjoyable. Um, and we'll go into spoilers, um, more spoilers. So I want to get your opinion on the twist and the revelation like so the the twist in um steve lift's house yes um well i'm I'm gonna be quite honest when i first saw it like like i feel like the the general audience reaction to something like that is what the hell is this yeah yeah rightfully so (laughs) it's very absurd um you know uh, the whole movie is extremely absurd, but I think this that really elevated that that twist really elevated it to an extreme, like just such a new level of of absurdism. And so, you know, spoilers uh, spoilers ahead. If you don't want to be spoiled, then I don't know. Get the hell out of here, or something. Yeah, get the hell out. So, uh, <laughs> um, I think 
uh, you know, like, you know, like it's kind of like an eerie type of scene when he first discovers the horse people. And it didn't really make much sense to me. Like, like, I think that um, Cassius in that scene is more of an audience, is like an audience perspective. Yeah. So it didn't really make that much sense in the moment. Cause I like, when I first saw it, I was like, well, where the hell is this going? And yeah. then <laughs> as, it, as it got elaborated on more, like more efficiently, I was like, oh, okay. I get the comparison. So in the movie, um, Cassius, with Keith Stanfield's character goes into um, the, ha- goes to the house of the CEO of the company he works for Steve lift. And, uh, He's in Steve's house and he, you know, he asks Steve, you know, where his bathroom is and he, you know, goes to the bathroom, but he goes, he enters a wrong door, which he thinks is a bathroom and it ends up being some sort of like cell. And, um, he discovers that there are legitimate horse human hybrids that are in the, that are in the house. And the immediate reaction is what? Like, I, I think that's like, I mean, that's probably one of the most, um, ambitious moves for like storytelling i've seen in a movie ever because it like it it has like it, it has such like a distinct flow until that point where everything like just everything is just like what what the actual fuck yeah um so like the the initial actual fuck is like you know you're you're not really sure where it's gonna go and then as it's elaborated on and you know like the the idea that um you know humans in the workforce you know are just treated like animals and you know their you know their whole purpose is to work like horses so and i you know i think it's like an actual kind of funny analogy like play on words of the word workhorse because they're at, like people are actually being turned into horses for work, mm-hmm. and um, I can definitely understand that that can turn some people off because it's a very um, it's a very artsy type of direction to go in. But I thought that to the overall concept of the film and how you know like just the overarching concept of capitalism capitalism bad as you said you know like it it is it doesn't bring much new to the table. But I think the execution of how it brings stuff to the table is what makes it so good. Yeah. And I, I, like, I, see, I don't think that's the, that's the problem, you know, cause it's definitely, again, like the style is kind of everything with this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just felt that the, the second act was just so sloppy in my opinion. Again, it's got some good comedic moments. I love when mm-hmm. St- uh, Steve Lift is talking to Cassius and he's like reassuring him. He's like, "Dude, just a coke," and he's like, and he plays him the video with the gun, like with the gun on the um, yeah, on the chair, and it's just like, like <laughs> Steve just losing his shit. Like, I love it so much. So that I thought was really well done, but I thought the first half again was really, um, it, it was way more enjoyable to me, and I hated that this movie had to do the whole like disney pro like disney uh middle point where they're like okay we need the characters to fight and we didn't we need them to not get along you yeah. know and because i was thinking you know yeah cash is kind of being a little bit of a dick but in my thought process it was 
Yeah, but like he needs money. He needs to survive, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, it, it, you you get where he's coming from too, which I really mm-hmm. liked. But I felt like the his friends were unnecessarily like I felt like they didn't get it. And I thought that was a little more unrealistic because it was like, oh, will you abandon us? But it's like you have to make money you to live. Yeah. And and I thought that was um I thought that was super like ham fisted. They were like, okay, we need to just throw this in conflict and then let's get to the horse people, you know? Mm -hmm. And then when they get to the horse people, it's just such a fucking mess. I mean, you have like horse people fighting the police and like, yeah, I think the third act is a little, it it, like goes, I say it just goes off the deep end. Like it just mm-hmm. like it, it took such a crazy idea. Like I like when films like go a little wild and really mm-hmm. kind of like take it crazy. Um, but this like just went too far. This like was like I okay. So. It, it, to me, it felt like a YouTube video. Like this would have been a like a <laughs> YouTube video in like 2012, where it's like like you can imagine like Freddie W making that, where it's like oh like we're or like Tomska. Like it's like a skit where it's like oh we're just chilling now we're horse people and it was kind of like what the fuck like it was such a weird yeah. like thing for a movie especially for like a feature length movie like mm-hmm. it, they really wanted to like milk that um mm-hmm. and and then eventually like he stanfield turns into a horse and he basically goes to steve lift's house and kicks the shit out of him at the end of the movie uh, or like kind of like the mid credit sequence. Yeah. But uh, to me, it was kind of like, okay, but what was like, what was even the point? Like, he, okay, he became a horse, but it just, I guess it was supposed to be like funny. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that wasn't really done very well. Um, and I mean, yeah, I think that this film just kind of suffers from trying to do way too much. It needed to just I definitely be, think so. It just needed to be a little bit more simple, just cut back on all like I get like wanting to do a bunch of ideas, especially if you're like really creative and like, I want to do this and this and this. Then it's like, you know, you're going to get into like problems because all your ideas yeah. just aren't meshing well. Right. Um, and the ones that do go well. I give him full credit for again, Lucky Stanfield transporting into the telemarketing calls. Like I thought that was again really well done. I love the elevator bit. Oh um, yeah, <laughs> where he has to like insert the pin and also like the voiceover when he's going up. Um, the whole idea of the white voice I think is great. Again, I think it is kind of like more of like a social issue that I think is done really well. And again, it has that comedic tone, but it's done well, you know? Mm-hmm. It, it kind of knows what it's trying to do with that. Um, but yeah, I thought Army Hammer was funny. I thought him as a villain was pretty solid. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love, I think that he did a great job also, again, making commentary of like, he's like, oh, you can rap. That was just like, just like <laughs> it was again, like it was uncomfortable, but it kind of had that like get out type of uncomfortableness where you're like, yeah, it works, you know, you get it. You're like, this is this is like funny and it works. Um, but yeah, just the horse people. I just did not, I just don't know what the fuck, like, what happened? Like, what happened to the story, man? What happened to the story? Like, what else would you say are your biggest complaints? Because you rated the film very highly, so I'm curious. Yeah, well, after hearing what you had to say, I'm definitely going to, like, I'm going to meditate on that a lot. Because you're, you're definitely right how I think he, like, Boots is trying to fit so much into this story that it kind of loses some cohesion. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and like, I want to go back and what I said earlier about, you know, boots throwing stuff at the wall and then it, you know, it, it all sticks. Cause yeah. there, there's, there's some stuff that doesn't stick that much. Like, yeah. um, like I think that, um, Tessa Thompson's and Lakeith Stanfield's relationship in the film is kind of flip floppy and, you know, some of it doesn't make sense, you know, like yep. they're together and then they're not together and then they're together again. Um, I thought no, I think, that that made sense. It just was like not. I just didn't think it was written well. It was written again, yeah. kind of like a Disney. Like we're mad at each other now because it's the Midwest. Mm-hmm. It's like okay, yeah, keep going. And like I, I admire what Boots is trying to do. Um, you know, because for a directorial debut, with I mean, I, I, if if the movie like I can just say flat out that it is it is a from a directing standpoint and from like a storytelling, like, or just from a visual storytelling standpoint, Boots knocked it out of the park. I think that absolutely he has such, like, I mean, just from this alone, I mean, he, he is another director to really look out for in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, for a directorial debut, I think that this is, I mean, either way, I mean, if it was good or bad, I, if I, if I liked it or I didn't like it, I think it was a, like a really good directorial debut and there was a lot of vision going into it. But I definitely agree with what you had to say about it. It just felt like he was t- trying to cram too much in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I felt like the I I really 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 um, I like mo- movies that are about messages where it feels mm-hmm. natural. And I felt like this movie was like, again, it was like, guys, look at this. Like we're gonna be like it didn't feel like it was really like touching on something really significant but it felt Mm -hmm. natural you know it was kind of like here's the scene where we're gonna explain why being a part of these companies is bad and there's so many scenes like that you know and i felt like the film got a little repetitive with that because you have the whole you know like uh you know the protesters um and like it was kind of like again oh yeah like like fuck Regal View, and it was like, yeah, it made sense for that one scene, but they do mm-hmm. it like five times. You're like, Jesus, like, like I, like, yeah. Something that I didn't think really made that much sense, like an- another thing that Boots wanted to do, like to cram into the movie, was like internet culture and how that affects oh yeah society. Yeah. Oh my god. Um, I think that um, like it should like like um Cassius turning into like an internet meme. Yeah. wasn't really like i didn't think that that was really necessary no it was not like i mean it, it like it's it's how he get like his not like his trademark like head wound from the poster yeah yeah but i think it just should have just stopped there and like with you know just him getting a can thrown at his head and just you know being like ah my head hurts and then kind of just stopping there and i think i mean i thought that the game show segment was i'm not sure how to feel about that because on one hand i think it shows how like uh america likes to you know we, we just like to watch people being inconvenienced for fun mm-hmm. you know like some, something like a, a good example of being like you know wipe out like you know watching people just get like knocked into water by giant inflatable objects is kind of funny but you know yes it's it's not really that funny to them you know the people who are being you know knocked around by inflatable objects mm-hmm. so also like like again i i really respect boots riley's vision but i think his execution could have been better because he tried to cram so much into the film that um some of his 
you know, some of the stuff that actually mattered didn't have that much highlight as it should have. Like, um, and like, again, it, it, it's like, a, it's like a rehash, not, I don't want to say rehashed, but it's like, you know, it's a, it's a concept, like, you know, capitalism bad is a concept that's been used forever. And with, you know, a lot of iconic films, like, you know, The Wolf of Wall Street, There Will Be Blood, The Big Short, um, just to name a few. And um, all, all of them are, well, I mean, with the exception of The Wolf, and Wall, Wolf of Wall Street and The Big Short, because they take place in Wall Street. But, um, you know, There Will Be Blood and Sorry to Bother You, they all fit under the umbrella of capitalism bad. But I think that, um, like, the absurdist execution of Sorry to Bother You, it raised it to another level and i thought that theme was really good but boots riley tried to cram a lot of different themes into the movie where it like the main the central theme was really well executed but there were like some other things mixed in which you know didn't really like contribute that much yeah and to like to to go like back to what you're saying um with the whole internet culture thing like this this film was released in 2018 you know and i felt like at that point like memes and virality were really different mm-hmm. and i felt like this movie was I, like maybe like six years too late on that because i i feel like the whole lakeith stanfield getting hit in the head with a can like no one would really give a shit about that again it's kind of like what yeah. you're saying is like they stretched out that joke and again the first time you see it you're kind of like okay that's kind of funny that, that was like a funny like sight gag whatever um but then they like keep going back to it and it's like a it's like a plot point yeah like you're it, like, it kind of distracts from the main thing because it's like you know he gets hit in the head with the can and it's like oh no my head hurts i'm bleeding from my head and then it just starts to become its own little subplot about him being like yeah. an internet meme and i think that didn't really become that cohesive in the main plot yeah. um like there 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 were like kids and caught co- like i, I yeah, from, the costumes. From, like a, from like a from a comedy standpoint it's pretty funny yeah, but yeah. from a like storytelling with, yeah from a storytelling point it doesn't really make that much sense of course no of course and, and like that's what i'm saying like um they milked it so hard um, yeah, and I felt like the film did not need to be this long. The first, like, I I have a huge, huge gripe with films that are like two hours long, but they don't need to be. Like, just mm-hmm. movies that are way too long and do not need to be. The first act takes its time and does a good job. Actually, no, never mind. It goes pretty fast. Yeah, um, it, it goes pretty fast, and then it hits this lull, but nothing happens in that lull. Like it, it feels like it, it just like kind of goes to like it was like very fast and like snappy, and it's keeping you engaged, and you're like, oh sweet, you know. Mm-hmm. And then it, and then it just goes to this like nails pace, and it's like, then what the hell? Like what happened? And then the ending kind of picks itself back up, but mm-hmm. the ending's just so weird. Um, and I thought that the whole again the internet meme kind of subplot was weird because again they filled up like at least like 10 minutes devoted to just that yeah you could have cut all of that out because it's so inconsequential it's so unfunny and again it's what i'm saying like i really think that if this was made like 2012 people would be like it'd still be kind of outdated but like Mm because again like viral videos aren't like that anymore you know what i mean like i felt like he could have done like a stat he could have done like a satire about um maybe i don't know could have done a satire about how like how to become viral right yeah because that's kind of how it is now but i felt like 
with this, it, it kind of reminded me of again, like old YouTube, or maybe if they did kind of <laughs> like a like a Keemstar bit where it, like mm-hmm. he's reviewing it, that would be kind of funny, you know? Yeah. Um, but and again, just like a quick sight gag and then move on from it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know what really else to add to this movie. I just thought it was a little too long. Uh, the ending was just too crazy for me. I like weird stuff. Uh, one other thing I do want to mention that I did like was I love when his garage come uh, turns into his house, and the yeah. way they do that is amazing. Like with the lamps, like kind of like it looks like they're like shedding, kind of like their skin, and then it becomes like his his TV kind of like flips out into this big widescreen, and like that was super cool. Again, it's those stuff like that that makes me like go. I, like I want to watch it for that, yeah. but not the plot. I thought um, like the filmmaking techniques themselves were extremely well done, and Boots Riley brings a lot to the table with um, like new con- not concepts but new execution for his film. Like um, I, like as you were saying, like the like the transfer from so in that garage sequence, just to explain to those who are listening. Um, so it starts from, you know, like Keith Stanfield and Tessa Thompson living in his garage to them getting like a nice apartment, you know, in uptown Oakton, o- Oakland, sorry. And the way they execute that was so well, especially like there's this shot where they're in bed together and then like the bedding changes and the pillows change and yeah, the mattress changes. And it, it's, it's all in like, I mean, it's like a close up shot, but it's all done in one take. And it, it takes like, it, it's like a, like a 30 second take and I, I, I that was you know i love shots like that where i'm thinking how the hell did they do that because it was practical yep um and really again just innovative right and that's what mm-hmm. i'm saying like that's what the film brings like in terms of this is a movie that again i would lump in with something like blade runner not 2049 don't worry just regular blade yeah runner. yeah just regular um, blade runner because to me blade runner we're like and we'll probably talk about that in another episode but um that's a movie that i find is all style but the actual story's kind of ass like the story's not that interesting right and this is kind of something similar where the story itself it's got some interesting pieces you know it has the pieces to really make a great story but it's just not executed the way at least for me that i would have liked um and yeah i just thought that the i also thought that Oh my god! I'm now I'm like remembering this too. <laughs> um, what did you think about the whole side plot of Squeeze, played by Stephen Yun, like and Tessa Thompson getting together? But there's no like, there's no like payoff to it. Yeah, I. Like, what was the point of that? Like, I what didn't did they really think about that? Like, um, what what did that even bring to the story? I guess like a level of envy between the two, but. But but uh, she doesn't between, even say. She doesn't, yeah, she, like she she doesn't even say that it was him, him. who did it. She she yeah. kind of just says like, yeah, I fucked this other dude, and then that kind of just stays there. I feel like that yeah. that's that side plot of, for like that lasted like what like ten minutes in the story. Um, mm-hmm. didn't need to be there. I think again, there's a lot of stuff that Boots Riley wants to cram into the film that just I don't think needed to be there in the first place. Yeah, I just thought that was something that was completely. Um, 
that w- did not need to be in. Like, you, again, yeah. could have cut that out and made this movie, like, 90 minutes and just made it been... I feel like it could have just went all the way with kind of the wildness, right? Like, yeah. Like, maybe, again, I might have to rewatch it to see different details. Maybe I missed. But hint the horse people early so we can kind of be, like... We could still be shocked, but we can kind of be like, okay, that was, uh, it, it kind of sets itself up or have weird shit like that because yeah. this is the, the universe where we can make like horse people, you know? Like maybe you could do like a show on the news, like new genetic modification technology has been found, you know, like even if it's just a small detail, those things really matter because then coming back mm-hmm. to the movie, you see that and you say, oh, okay, that kind of explains why you know Mm -hmm. but when it's like okay we have horse people now um yeah i this is also nitpicky but why was lakeith stanfield's phone recording so he dropped his phone at the like where the horse people are right because he got scared and he ran Mm -hmm. out so he dropped his phone but then he like recorded it and it's sent to his girlfriend I think that the horse people may have may have done that. Like they may have they may have just picked up his phone and recorded it. But that's what I'm saying. Like just little stuff like that. Like I'm focusing on mm-hmm. these little things because the little things really add up in this movie, and I that's why agree. that's why I I can't give it that high of a score because all these things mm-hmm. kind of bog it down. Like usually I'm pretty forgiving when it comes to you know nitpicky stuff. You know maybe like. Mm-hmm. A weird shot here and there, weird editing choice, whatever. Mm-hmm. But when, when it really comes back to your whole plot, it's like, okay, yeah, it's kind of just like, where are you going with this? And Boots Riley's he's making a TV show, so hopefully that's good. He is. Um, but again, for his first movie, impressed. I will say, impressed. Whoever mm-hmm. who did the cinematography, Doug Emmett. Don't know what. Let me check. I want to check his IMDb. See what else he did. Did the one I love, which I've never heard of. I've never heard of that. He did. Oh, he did um cinematography for the new Rosamund Pike movie. I care a lot, which was kind of like an off-brand uncut gems, which was like super hashtag girl boss. Oh, okay. Yeah, but like I'm not seeing anything besides this movie. I'm not seeing anything where yeah. I'd be like, "Wow, Paranormal Activity four, wow." See, but that's what I'm saying. But this movie's so good, so I hope he does some more interesting stuff. I really do, because mm-hmm. he was. I mean, he I didn't have a problem with him and the editor too, uh, Terrell Gibson. Both did great. Um, oh, Terrell Gibson did. Uh, he was involved in the fighter. Uh, the Fighter by David O. Russell? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I see that. Did some interesting did some interesting stuff, but again, I hope he does some more stuff too. Um anything else you want to add to that or Um Well I think again, I think that um Sorry to Bother You is a really good directorial debut. Um just for the amount of like just creativity Boots Riley has in his head. Um, I think that what he try he tries to do too much for the film, um, which kind of makes it a little less enjoyable. But I think um, again, like the Keith Stanfield and now Steven Yun, um, you know, two actors that I've been following for a pretty long time. I mean, you know, Steven Yun is most famous for I mean, well now because of things like Minari, 
you know, for his Oscar nomination. But, you know, earlier things, I mean, he was, you know, a pretty substantial character in um, AMC's The Walking Dead. He was Glenn. And that's where he kind of exploded on the scene. But then after uh, Spoilers of The Walking Dead, his character was killed off. He didn't really get that much work. And I was kind of disappointed to see that his, you know, he didn't really get, you know, he didn't really get to do much after that. But, you know, ever since like 2017 with things like Sorry to Bother You and Minari and um, Burning, you know, I, I didn't really like Burning, but I'm glad that he's getting like recognition, recognition. and work. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, it, I think he... that's... Yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, yeah, I think that Steven Yun is a name to watch. Oh, and Invincible, right? He's he is, he is he's uh, yeah. Mark and Invincible. Um, again, he's not the problem. I mean, again, I no. just think this is a this is a film that has a lot of great actors in it, a lot of talented people. Even the voice cast is great. Um, I really didn't have a problem with anyone. It just needed to be more focused. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really important movie message-wise, but it just needed to be more consistent. Um, and all these people, you know, I mean, Lakeith Stanfield with his uh, most well-known role, L, um, in the uh, Death Note movie. Uh, I think that he is, he's got, he's, I mean, he's been in some of like, some of my favorite stuff, you know, Uncut Gems, he's great in. So mm-hmm. I don't think that, and he brings so much energy to this movie. So, Actors don't blame anyone there. I just, Mm-mm. yeah, I, I mean, I don't even blame Boots Riley. I just think that just tighten it up a bit, you know? Yeah, I think ambition doesn't equal good filmmaking. Oh my god, yes, definitely. Um, like, I mean, I mean, you know, you you know, you can throw as much as you want at the at you know at the screen, but it doesn't mean that it's going to be good like a hundred percent of the time. And I mean, I think that, you know, some uh, some directors, I think that are really good with, you know, really certain ambition. I mean, a, a director that's exploded on the scene since 2015 is uh, Yorgos Lanthimos, um, who's done things like The Lobster and Killing of a Sacred Deer and The Favorite. I think, um, well, out of the three of them, I've only seen Killing of a Sacred Deer, but I think that Yorgos Lanthimos' um, like specific detached style was just so impressive. And I like, you know, again, directors like Boots Riley and Yorgos Lanthimos, who like, you know, reign in, you know, some sort of level of absurdism, they're going to be directors to watch out for in the future. And I think that Boots Riley is going to be, um, I think that he's only on the come up from Sorry to Bother You. Um, his distinct style is going to be something that's going to be more well known as the years progress in the next 10, you know, I want to say, you know, 10 years from now. And, um, I think that Lakeith Stanfield is only on the come up. I think Stephen Young is only on the come up. I think Tessa, yep. Tessa Thompson is only on the come up. Yep. And I, I mean, um, you know, um, quality of the film aside, I think that it was a really good showcase of talent from Stephen Young, Tessa Thompson, Lakeith Stanfield, and Boo Riley. Yeah, I definitely agree. Mm-hmm. And would you say now uh, your rating has changed? Yeah, um, I think. And what just, would you give it bit. right now? Um, well, I started at a nine, but I think after this conversation, I might bring it down to like a seven or an eight. Still a high score, but I, I definitely recognize now that there's a lot of, um, problem, not, not, I wouldn't say problems because it makes it sound like, you know, it's like, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Still watch it. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's still watchable, but, um, I think that, uh, there's definitely stuff that could have been, that could have been done differently. Stuff that could have been done, could have been, you know, just erased from the film. But uh, again, I think that um, 
you know, these, these four people are going to be names to look out for in the future. And sorry to bother you has really, um, like ingrained their talent. And I mean, especially Tessa Thompson, who I don't see much of other than, you know, uh, I mean, she was like a super minor character in Annihilation and her role as Valkyrie and Thor and Avengers, you know, really leaves something to be desired. But, and I think that this role is what could make Tessa Thompson more of a household name other than, hey, she's that one girl from Thor. Of course. Yeah, and, um, well, that, I'm happy, see, that's what I'm saying, like, I'm happy that uh, <laughs> we can have that conversation because I'm I'm waiting for the, the moment when your film opinion is so strong that it changes my, uh, my view on a movie. Um, and I think, uh, obviously, I think that's pretty much it for all our conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll probably talk about two other, uh, two other movies. One maybe not so great. <laughs> one really good. Um, but we yeah. shall see. Yeah. But um, thank you guys for listening, whoever it may be. And uh, we'll see you <laughs> guys you so on much. the next time. <laughs> see you guys next time.